This is the Neurosurgery Podcast. Hi, welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast for another installment in our series of residency spotlights looking at programs for the uh, virtual interviews in the 2021-2022 interview season. Today we are delighted to have with us Dr. Andrew Grossbach, who's the program director at The Ohio State University Department of Neurosurgery. Dr. Grossbach, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. You know, as we were just chatting about before we started recording, our, our goal here is really to give the residents a sense of the flavor and the feel of programs uh, since the first round of interviews this year are all virtual and they're kind of getting robbed of that in-person visit. So if you could just tell us what OSU is like from the inside. Yeah, absolutely. I, no, I think this is a great idea. Um, you know, that's the thing that the uh, the applicants are really missing out on is kind of, you know, seeing programs from the inside, seeing how people interact with each other and, and just the things you can't really, you know, pull off the off the website. So um, thank you guys for, for, for doing this. Um, so Ohio State, um, I think it's a, a, a phenomenal place. And um, I think for multiple reasons, um, the, 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 big and, the big thing is just the, the culture of, of the department, how the residents get along, how they interact with the faculty. It's a very collegial uh, place. And, you know, you can really get a sense of, of how people are interacting when you kind of look at how how residents interact and hang out with each other outside of the hospital. If you have a group that really, you know, they tolerate each other, but they they don't particularly want to be around each other any more than they have to, then they're not really hanging out outside the hospital. But our, our residents are, are a phenomenal group. Um, they're constantly doing things, you know, on the, on their you know spare time on the weekends, hanging out with each other, um, and, and I, I think that really carries over to, to how they work with each other and stuff in the hospital. So. Um, you know, I think when you're when you're evaluating a program and you're kind of looking at, you know, where's where's somewhere I want to be for the next seven years, you really have to look at how the residents get along and if that's a group of people that, you know, you think you can see yourself getting along with and, and tolerate being around because the residents spend a lot of time together. And I think it's a great sign when they want to spend even more time hanging out with each other outside the hospital. You know, that's a great point. You know, seven years is a long time. And, uh, equally as important as what you're doing to those what you're doing during those seven years is who you're uh doing those seven years with uh and so having a good group of residents is you know as we all know incredibly important can you talk a little bit about the the clinical experience at ohio state uh you know how how busy is it surgically how busy is it clinically uh how early are people getting into the or uh in clinic and those sorts of things Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, that's been one of the things that we've uh, at Ohio State been been very proud of is our, our surgical volume and our, and our clinical experience for our residents. Because, you know, first and foremost, you have to come out of a program being a, a good surgeon. And to do that, you need the reps. You need the, uh, the, the practice of getting your hands on things and doing it. And so um, I think our residents get, get, you know, broad exposure across surgical subspecialties. Um, our volume is, is consistently some of the highest in the country. I think uh, last year we did like 7,100 or 7,200 cases. So it, it's a lot of surgical volume. Uh, and that's not across a whole bunch of affiliate hospitals. That's at two primary locations. So the University, University Hospital and the James Hospital, which is 
the, on the Ohio State campus and uh, Nationwide Children's Hospital. So at those two sites, um, they're doing, you know, 7,100, 7,200 cases. Um, we, we really stress early, you know, resident autonomy. So we want, you know, you know, the interns when they're, when they're, um, you know, not, not, uh, uh, you know, seeing patients in the ER, um, you know, doing things like that, that they're, you know, in the ORs and getting their hands on, on, you know, instrumentation, getting their hands on, on, um, you know, craniotomies and, uh, getting that early experience because, you know, that, that really carries over through the years as, as, you know, time goes on and, and you can really tell the residents that get in there early and get comfortable. Um, you know, then that, that carries through the rest of their, the rest of their residency. So I think that's very important. You know, as you mentioned, the, the volume and the clinical experience at Ohio State is renowned. Um, but we were talking before the show here about some changes recently made in the academic structure and the research side of things for the residency. Maybe share that with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've been very proud of our clinical volume. And like I said, the first and foremost thing is residents have to have to be you know good surgeons when they come out of a, of a training program. Uh, we looked back at, at ourselves uh, a couple of years ago and said, you know, if we're going to continue to, you know, Im- improve our training of our residents, where's the next area we need to focus on? We had some residents that, you know, were very academically productive, writing lots of papers, doing cutting edge research. We had others that were more interested in, you know, doing uh, more clinical stuff and folded fellowships. And we said, you know, they're already getting such high case numbers. They don't need more cases during their elective years. Um, so we really made a, a, a shift to make those elective years. Those are, those are research years. So, um, you know, our residents now have two protected uh, research years in the PGY4 and PGY5 years um, that we really look at that as those are the years where you're setting yourself up for uh, whatever fellowship, whatever, you know, high quality, uh, hopefully academic job when you, when you come out of training. Um, so really using those years to making your CV as competitive, as competitive as anyone in the country. That's great. Um, I do want to touch, uh, back more on, you know, what you were talking about, about resident collegiality and life in Columbus, but first, you know, given how busy you guys are and given, uh, you know, the options to do unfolded fellowships, do you think residents are skewed in any sort of way in terms of subspecialty choice, or do you guys think you're more strong in one versus another, or are residents pretty well-rounded by the time that they graduate? Our residents are very well-rounded, and that, and that can be seen by looking at what they choose to go into. Um, over the last few years, we've had residents going to, to vascular, um, functional, spine, pediatrics, uh, oncology. Um, and so you're going to get a, a broad exposure with, with experts in every, every subspecialty area. You're not going to learn how to take a brain tumor out for me. I'm a, I'm a spine surgeon. So, um, you're going to learn how to take a brain tumor out from someone who does that every day. Um, likewise, the tumor surgeon is not going to teach you how to do, you know, a T10 to pelvis. Um, you're going to learn that from myself or one of my colleagues who does, you know, uh, spine surgery all day and night. Um, so, so we really have that subspecialization, you know, across the subspecialties. And so our residents get, you know, broad exposure. And I think that's important because, some of the trainees come in and they have an idea of what they want to do. And sometimes that's what they end up doing. 
for myself, when I was in residency, I came in, I wanted to be a vascular surgeon and I wanted to be a skull-based surgeon. I hated spine. Now I do spine. So it, it can change. And if you're at a place where you're kind of limited to, to, to one main area or a couple main areas, um, you might kind of handcuff yourself. And, and so I think, you know, at, at Ohio State anyway, you're going to get exposure to kind of all the subspecialty areas and, and you know, really be well-versed in all of those while you're trying to figure out what you want to do uh, when you're, when, when you're done with training. Well, you know, Dr. Grossbach, when I think of the Ohio State, I think of clinical excellence in neurosurgery. But when most people think of Ohio State, they think about sports, let's be honest. So I wonder if, uh, as we're wrapping up here, can you talk a bit about the, uh, the lifestyle available for the residents, the extracurricular activities, and how people in the department spend their time both on and off the campus? Absolutely. Uh, I think Columbus is a, a phenomenal town. And in full disclosure, I didn't know a lot about it before I, I took a job here at Ohio State. Um, I knew, you know, Ohio State football and Ohio State athletics, and I kind of assumed Columbus was like a, you know, big college town. Uh, when I got here, I was like, wow, they actually have buildings. It's like a real city. Um, and I, I think that really kind of highlights what, what Columbus is all about. It, it, it's a city. Uh, it's the capital of, of Ohio. Um, the population is about a million people in the city itself and about two and a half in the, in the including the suburbs. Um, but then you go over by campus and then it's a college town. Um, so you really have the, the best of both worlds. Uh, it's easy to, to travel places. The airport's convenient. As most major cities, you can be on the East Coast or in Chicago in an hour, hour and a half. Um, and you're not standing in line in, in, uh, in TSA waiting to get through. Um, you know, of course, as you brought up the, the Ohio State Athletics, I mean, it's a big deal around here. Um, football games are great. The basketball games are great. Um, we also have some pro sports. So there's pro soccer uh, with the Columbus crew. And there's also the Columbus Blue Jackets NHL team. Um, so a lot of athletics going on. Um, there's a pretty decent music scene. Um, not only like stadium concerts uh, at the, the Columbus Blue Jackets Stadium or Ohio State basketball plays, but there's some smaller venues. Um, there's some outdoor concerts in the area. Uh, the food scene is, is something that everyone really talks about. So there's a lot of a lot of great uh, restaurants, uh, good food scene. Um, they do you know, burger week. They do restaurant week, uh, I think a couple times a year where um, all the restaurants kind of have a special menu. We can go and, and kind of try a bunch of the different places for, for relatively cheap. Um, Columbus Zoo is like one of the, one of the highest rated zoos in the country. Um, so a lot of stuff going on. Um, it's also easy to get around. Um, you're not going to be waiting in traffic. Our residents, our faculty all live relatively close to the hospital. So you're not, you're not driving long distances. You're not stuck in traffic. You can get to the hospital pretty easy, which um, when you're on call and, and trying to make it in uh, for something or, or driving in in the morning, it, it's definitely, definitely a big plus being able to get there quick and easy. Um, so yeah, I have uh, nothing but good things to say about Columbus. It's, it's been a fantastic time and, um, you know, our residents and faculty, I'll, I'll find plenty of stuff to, to keep busy in their off hours. Well, there you have it. A lot of great attributes to Ohio state. that are definitely worth checking out, uh, on the, uh, interview trail this year. Thank you for all of uh, your time, Dr. Grossbach. We really appreciate it. Uh, and we know our listeners enjoyed, uh, your conversation as well. So we appreciate you having you, having you on at the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, I enjoyed it.
Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Michael Shoulder, the Program Director for the Neurosurgery Training Program at the Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell, part of the Northwell Health System in Long Island, New York. Dr. Shoulder's here to uh, share with our listeners in another residency spotlight in our ongoing mini-series for the 2021-22 interview season. Dr. Shoulder, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking to the applicants this year. Hi, JP. Thanks for inviting me. So we were chatting a bit before we started the recording. It sounds like this year the program is going to be taking two residents. Is that correct? That's right. Our maximum complement at this point is 18 residents, which is normally considered 323. And although it's theoretically possible to take three residents several years in a row, that would imbalance the program. So yes, this year it is two. Sure. And, you know, any of the applicants who interview with you, who reach out to you, will get a sense of the rotations and the program structure. But so we know what we're talking about today. Why don't you give us a a brief overview of the program and and what the residents are doing on a day to day basis? Well, the mothership, so to speak, of the program is North Shore University Hospital, which is in Manhasset, about a mile outside of the Queens Nassau County border so it's it's quite close to New York City but feels very suburban very nice it's about an 860 bed hospital and we're going to add another 50 beds or so when our new surgical pavilion opens in a year and a half and we'll add several ORs as well we typically run five rooms a day we also have a very busy endovascular program and We do 300 stereotactic radiosurgery cases a year as well. So we like to get residents in the OR as early as possible in their training program, including year one, allowing for the fact that residents have other rotations to do, such as the neurosurgical ICU and anesthesia and ENT. But we really have a culture of excellent surgical education in the program. Now, having said that, we have key rotations at Long Island Jewish Medical Center, which is about 1.8 miles away from North Shore. And a key feature there is the Cohen Children's Medical Center, which is physically attached to LIJ, but it's a freestanding 250-bed pediatric hospital with three pediatric neurosurgeons. And it's a superb pediatric neurosurgery experience with, with a fair amount of autonomy on the adult side as well. In addition, at this point, the residents have a six-month rotation at Lenox Hill Hospital in Manhattan, where there is exposure to certain aspects of complex anterior skull-based surgery that we don't do that much of at North Shore, and further exposure to endovascular surgery and cerebral bypass surgery, as well as a robust brain tumor program and spine program there as well. And I was just talking about this this morning with our residents, even though we expanded our resident complement to three to three a year ago, uh, everyone is enthusiastic about a further expansion. And we very well may pursue that in the uh, in the near future in another year or two. As far as our resident culture, that's something that won't be readily apparent just from sort of the dry process of the virtual interview season. But our residents really are very supportive of one another. They get along well. They have fun with one another. There is not internal competition except 
to some extent, the friendly way, like, hey, I did this case or I got this paper published, etc. And that's a key thing in terms of the kinds of resident applicants we're looking for. We really want people who are going to be a good part of the team and going to get along with people. As Bill Parcells, the Hall of Fame football coach and being a lifelong New Yorker, I'm somewhat partial to Parcells as the coach of two joint Super Bowl champions. He said, I'm not looking for the best people. I'm looking for the right people. Now, of course, oftentimes those are the what you would call the best people, but we want the right people for our program. And that's a very key part of our resident interview process. Well, that's phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I'm very interested to hear a bit more about the new surgical center you said that will be opening within a year or a year and a half. That'll certainly play a large role in the residency period of anyone applying this year. And in particular, if you mentioned possibly expanding the complement with the additional ORs that that might offer, what kind of cases are you projecting to do at the new center? Well, it's physically contiguous with the current hospital, but Hmm. it's really going to be beautiful. And the rooms are going to be state-of-the-art and large. I would say our current rooms are not particularly large. And Uh, One of them where our intraoperative MRI used to be is quite small. So we're going to be able to bring in lots of technology into the new rooms, including one or two different kinds of intraoperative MRI systems that we're working to develop, uh, actually. Also, one of the rooms will be a hybrid vascular room for intraoperative angiography uh, instead of sort of doing it in the kind of jerry-rigged way that we have to at this point. Uh, But we certainly do the full gamut of complex cases at North Shore. Uh, One additional aspect of our program that has changed in the last six months is that our new chair, Dr. Dan Shuba, came from Johns Hopkins, where he already had a national reputation for doing complex spinal oncology surgery, in particular resection of primary spine tumors like chordomas and chondrosarcomas. And he brought his colleague, Dr. Larry Lowe, with him, who works on the same kinds of problems. So our spinal oncology program, uh, as well as the overall complex spine surgery, has really taken off like a rocket. We have a number of fellowship programs. We're going to add a spine fellowship. And I certainly want to emphasize that all the fellows who come here, uh, including in my Ballywick, which is neurosurgical oncology, understand that the residents get first dibs on everything. And uh, everything's been working out well. There's never any tension between the fellows and the residents. So applicants should not worry about that. The fellows only enhance the programs in various ways. Uh, There are also going to be extra ICU beds in the new pavilion. Uh, And it's all going to look very, very nice. It's already a nice hospital to walk into, but it's going to be uh, certainly very state-of-the-art and big and have a grand entrance and all that nice stuff. And JP, you alluded to the fact that this year's applicants will gain from the new pavilion because it is slated to open in a little over a year. So certainly by the time the this year's applicants are PGY2s, they're going to be working in that new building. And it's going to be really very exciting. Yeah, I think if I put myself in an applicant's shoes, anytime there's some period of change or period of growth 
to me, that would be appealing because it means there's fertile ground, something that you can put your stamp on and help shape as an organization and as a program changes. So that's certainly something I would find appealing. And I would be remiss if I if I didn't point out Dr. Shuba was actually on our show a few months ago talking about his career move to, to come join your program there. Just such, such a wonderful man, always a pleasure to talk to. So I'll point our listeners back to that. Uh, and also for any potential applicants to the program, you can get a sense of who he is as a chairman, as a person, and, and hear what it's like speaking with him. You can really get a sense of him. Um, you know, we want to respect your time. So I think the last thing I would like to hear about, as you pointed out, where the hospital and where uh, your headquarters, the the flagship, if you will, is situated out there. You said it's rather suburban. Obviously, it's close to the city. So I wonder if you could just tell us what kinds of things do the residents do? What kinds of things do the attendings do outside of the hospital? Um, when I think of the suburbs, I think of families. Are, are there any families within the residency complement? Yeah, indeed there are. Uh, many of the residents are married and some of them have kids or kids on the way. And they do family kinds of things. When I hear about the residents getting together on their own, uh, on their free time, I have to say that makes me really, really happy that they choose to do that when they could all be going off and doing their own thing, but the, that they are that much of a cohesive group that they like to get together at times uh, is just a wonderful thing. But uh, we have the full gamut of modern society. Uh, you could live in Manhattan if you wanted to. In fact, one of our residents does. I'm not sure. Uh, I think that's a particularly good idea, but she had been before, so she still does. You can live in Queens and you kind of have the benefits of an urban experience, but not quite as frenetic as Manhattan and you're closer to North Chanel IJ. And you could live in Nassau County and look, there are golf courses surrounding North Shore Hospital. You come out and you breathe the fresh country air and it's really, I have to say, very very nice to be out here. And JP, one thing I'd like to add that may also not be that obvious is that the training program has become increasingly flexible just in the last year. And that's something I'm working to increase and ingrain in the culture. If residents want to do a chief residency in their sixth year and an infolded fellowship in their seventh year, we already have some residents doing that, and that trend is going to increase. But it won't be mandatory. We have a resident who's taking an extra year to get a PhD in neuroscience as a prelude to a career in functional neurosurgery. We have an MD-PhD who's spending two years furthering his interest in basic neuro-oncology research at the Cold Spring Harbor Lab, which is our basic science affiliate about 20 minutes away in addition to uh, the Feinstein Institutes of Medical Research, which are right on the North Shore campus. So I would not say it's a grab bag of things to do, but we wanna work with the residents to help them achieve their career goals and to adjust the training program to meet their needs. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for your time coming on the show to help spotlight your program. Uh, if any of our listeners have questions for Dr. Shoulder, of course, you know how to get in touch. Your applicants, you're, you have your finger on the pulse of the nation better than I. But, of course, you can always reach out to us and we'll help you get in touch. Otherwise, Dr. Shoulder, thanks for coming on today to help spotlight uh, the neurosurgery program at the Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell. 
Thanks for having me, JP. This was really a pleasure. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Today, we continue our mini-series on the programs of America, and we have with us Dan Barrow, who's a longtime friend of the podcast. He's the chair at Emory and is now reassumed, I guess temporarily, being the program director. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Nice to be with you again. Yeah, definitely. And, and we really loved your last uh, episode. You really gave a very compelling and honest appraisal uh, of your philosophy on life, and we really appreciate that. I think it reflects a lot of the character of the program that you've been chairman at for, for how many years now? Oh, gee, for uh, probably 20, uh, 26 years. Wow, that is a long time. So, uh, and you look so young. So why don't we do this? Um, you know, you guys are a preeminent program. Everybody's heard of Emory. Why don't you start by giving us a little flavor of the philosophy of, of, of training uh, young men and women to be neurosurgeons at Emory? Well, thanks, Mike. Our, our philosophy of, of training um, is that first and foremost, uh, it's, it's their education and their career. And so I think we try to make keep open minds about, about what the opportunities are and create a broad array of opportunities for all of our, our trainees so that they can do what they want to do. I think there's a perception among candidates that every program wants to create academic neurosurgeons and they're going to be disappointed if they don't. And, you know, I think all of us have a bit of a, a bias that's probably related to our egos. You know, we look at somebody and say, well, why wouldn't you want to grow up and be like me? But in, in reality, um, you know, there are many, many opportunities and we really have a philosophy that we want to provide the opportunity for residents to do what they need to do to accomplish their goals. And by doing, uh, uh, to do that, we provide them with an enormous number of different opportunities clinically and academically. Well, that's fantastic because, you know, everybody has a slightly different road in life and I appreciate you, you opening that up for folks. I want to break away to another area, which I think is important since your program is, is very competitive. Um, people are limited to one sub-eye this year and who knows about next year. How does, how does a person go about trying to impress the folks at Emory or maybe getting more information about your program? How are you guys reaching out to the world in this strange COVID time? We've uh, done a couple of online uh, uh, sessions. Uh, we did that last year and we've done those again this year to try to provide candidates with the opportunity to get to know us. Uh, I respond uh, almost immediately to every email that I get from candidates that have questions. Uh, we try to be responsive in any way that we possibly can to give as much information as possible. Um, we've opened our program up to the individuals who have uh, requested to come here and do sub-I's. Uh, you know, as you pointed out, they're limited. Um, quite honestly, none of us are very happy with the situation we find ourselves in because um, one of the reasons that you go into academic medicine is to be surrounded by young, inquisitive people. It's a, a safeguard against senility to do that. And um, I don't like not being surrounded by all those young people uh, that are inquisitive and, and, and want to know about our program. So we do, we do whatever we can using technology to try to get our word out and answer questions to the best of our ability. Now, you, do you guys have the record in softball tournament wins, or is that Barrow? 
<laughs> no, we are the, the Buffalo Bills of uh, neurosurgical softball. We uh, have second place four times. We've actually never won the big one, but um, that, that may change this year. <laughs> you, you play in it, right? I, I do, yeah. Obviously not well enough, or we would have won four times instead of uh, coming in uh, second four times. I know that Alan Levy considers you guys like the nemesis out there, which I guess to get to the finals, they have to go through Emory. Um, <laughs> but that obviously speaks to the kind of camaraderie you have at Emory and, and the nature of the program. You as chairman uh, and Nelson played, too, right, when he was program director? Uh, he didn't play. He, he was kind of a kind of a, a, a well-dressed coach, uh, I would say. <laughs> his game is his game is uh, what he calls football or or what we refer to in this country as soccer. That's his, that's his game. <laughs> now, I know you guys have a huge program. You got a number of clinical centers, obviously, in, in a number of different settings around surrounding Atlanta. Are there any weaknesses? I mean, it seems like you have plenty of trauma. You got a lot of spine, you got vascular. What, what are the weaknesses there? Well, truthfully, I don't think we have any weaknesses. I, I, we have a, a large faculty, very diverse, we cover every single subspecialty in neurosurgery, including some of the oddball things like pain neurosurgery and avant-garde uses of, of functional neurosurgery, uh, peripheral nerve program that Nick Boulis has is, is huge, lots of trauma. There, there are no glaring deficiencies. But having said that, I think that any program that wakes up one morning and says, well, we're exactly where we need to be, uh, by my definition, is a dying program. So we're always constantly looking for opportunities to make our already good programs better. The world is changing and we need to change with it. And I think one of the most unique aspects of Emory is that we're the only academic medical center in a city that has nearly 6 million people, which is a pretty unusual demographic. So there is an opportunity for us to constantly look at all of our great programs and say, what can we do to make these programs better because the, the population's growing. I don't think there are going to be any new medical schools in the vicinity in, in the near future. So it's an incredible opportunity to have this, this volume that's almost unsurpassed and use it for, for, for the, you know, to take care of patients primarily, but also to train the next generation and to do the research that advances our field. Yeah, so, so going back to the city of Atlanta where I grew up, what, what do you think about the, the lifestyle for residents uh, thinking about relocating there for seven years or more? Um, what's it like to live in Atlanta for that time period when you're a young man or woman? I think it's a great city. I grew up in a rural community. I'm not a big city person, but my wife and I chose careers that obligated us to live in a big city. And I really have loved living in Atlanta. It's, um, it's, it's got the, uh, first of all, I think there is something to this Southern hospitality thing. The people here are really, really nice. Uh, Emory is a very collegial institution. Once in a while, we'll recruit somebody from uh, other parts of the country, not to mention uh, specific areas, but um, they, they either change uh, their attitude or they don't really last long here because people really are, are very collegial. Um, also, Atlanta has the world's busiest airport which is a huge advantage if you like to travel or if you were to come here and have family in other areas, it is really, really easy to get anywhere in the world with multiple nonstop options. 
And the city has, you know, all the amenities of every major city. We've got, you know, every major uh, professional sports except hockey. We've had a couple of those. But we can't seem to keep hockey down here. Um, uh, we have great restaurants. There are a fair number of people from New York that live here, so they demand good cuisine. So it's a great place to live, and it's very affordable. Atlanta is a very, very affordable city compared to some of our other major cities. Yeah, I remember the Atlanta Flames flaming out. That's right. So <laughs> hockey, yeah. And the so, Exactly. And then just to round things out to give people an even uh, sense of where you guys are at, you're seven years, and is it three a year that come in? Yes. Um, currently, um, uh, we, we are, and uh, we are looking at the opportunity to, ex to expand. We do the, those things very, very cautiously. Um, we have multiple hospitals, which is one of our biggest assets, because each of those hospitals, uh, although they're geographically close to one another, uh, provide very, very different educational opportunities in terms of the types of pathology, in terms of the uh, the way that those hospitals are, are managed uh, so that people, uh, you know, our, our residents learn not only different aspects of the field of neurosurgery, but also uh, some of the different socioeconomic aspects of medicine that are very important today. Fantastic. Well, everybody knows about Emory. Everybody knows the, the amazing program that you helped build there. Uh, I'm sorry, Nelson has moved on and uh, he, he obviously is dear to many people's hearts. But I think that uh, you've made a compelling case to why everybody should rank Emory super high. So thanks again for coming on the podcast today, Dan. Thank you, Mike, for the opportunity. It's great to talk with you and hope to see you soon. Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang, and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.